You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new shotgun from Savage, the Renegade. At the core of the Renegade is an industry-first patented dual-valve self-regulating gas system made to cycle higher power loads with the same reliable consistency as lower power target loads, all while cutting down on recoil. Now, this the shotgun is ergonomic. It's well balanced. It has a patented stock pad that knocks down recoil. And definitely check out the information about the the dual valve gas system that uh, allows for this consistency. Right? Uh, there is so many cool, creative things that Savage has done with this shotgun. If you want to learn more about the Renegade, visit SavageArms.com/Renegade. Ladies and gentlemen, to the Michigan Sportsman's Podcast, your number one place to go for all your hunting and fishing information, tips and tricks, conservation practices, and much, much more. I'm your host, James Stevens, so let's get this thing started. Freshwater Bite Podcast, and today is specifically about walleye fishing. We're gonna walk you through how to how to catch walleye in small inland lakes, all the way to the big lakes of Lake Erie. So, enough of me rambling. Let's just get this thing started. And now we have Lee Kleinow on the on the line. Lee, how are we doing today? Good. How are you? I'm not too bad. How's this? Uh, whole covid stuff treating you and the family uh you know i guess is we're we're doing well we're thriving i guess in the current conditions you know as best as we can kind of uh doing what everybody else is doing and you know self-reflecting getting projects done hanging in there just doing the best we can well at least you have uh plenty of fish in the freezer i'm trying man you know i'm really trying so you know, a funny story about that is anybody listening to this, the state of Michigan has been going through a lot of ups and downs and restrictions. And, you know, early on, we were hit early by COVID. But, uh, you know, our governor actually got to the point where she took away our right to fish from a motorized boat. Yeah. So uh, how what was your I mean, not to dive too deep into that, real, but real quick, what was your first thought about that? Um, so, you know, at the beginning of it, I was, you know, just, just like everybody at the beginning of this, no one really knew what was going on. So I thought it was great idea to, if you're going to fish with someone in a boat, just obviously kind of keep your distance kind of thing. And, uh, you know, just make your own best choice. I mean, that, I guess that would be the theme throughout all this is we're all adults. And I would just think that everyone can make their own assessment and know their own risks, risks and what risks they're willing to take all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, in the beginning, there wasn't a lot of knowledge going around. So, you know, I thought maybe, you know, until we figure out more about this, take it easy on, you know, packing your boat full of like four or five guys. Sure. But, um, you know, when she got to the point where she took our right away to fish, that's when I thought, you know, what is going on here? You know, I thought I had thought she had overstepped her boundaries. You know, here we got here, you know, 
that's how some people get their meat. You know, they, they, they go fishing and fill their freezers and their families, you know, enjoy eating fish and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, she, she allowed, you know, other places to stay open to go to like, you know, like a meat, um, like a butcher or like the grocery store to get stuff like that. And it's really kind of the same thing. Um, you know, a lot of us sportsmen go outside to, to obtain our meat and fishing's, fishing's one of those ways. And I thought that she had overstepped her boundary when she said no one could be fish out of a motorized boat. Yeah, and, uh, I thought that was crazy myself. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the other thing too is, you know, the outdoors is such a release for many of us from day-to-day stresses. Um, you know, whatever it is, it's how we do, you know, sometimes it's how we deal with things. And for that outlet to be taken away, even if you're by yourself, I don't see the harm in that when you're by yourself in a boat or someone from the same household, if you wanted to go, you know, fishing with your kids or fishing with your wife, you're all quarantined together. Um, anyways, yeah, long story short, short, she, uh, she overstepped their boundaries on that. I, I totally agree, but that's enough of politics. Let's, yeah. let's get into the fishing. Lee, you're, would you say you're an avid fisherman? I like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I like to hit it hard as much as I can. Um, you know, I think, uh, I'm not a professional by any means. I'm just a, a very curious dude who loves the fish and loves to discuss fishing, loves to constantly, um, how would be the word, adapt and fish in new ways. And I'm not like close-minded and this is the only fish I go for and this is the only way I fish for them. You know, Michigan has so much to offer as a fishery. When you're looking at the big bodies of water to the to the smaller inland lakes you know there's there's such a diversity for us to get out there and fish for many different kinds of species and uh also you know um fish in many different presentations and ways it's just we're truly blessed to uh or i feel blessed to live in you know the state of michigan so oh absolutely so when do you think you fell in love with it um, you know, I, I've been fishing ever since an early age when I was a kid, we used to go up, uh, up North to Northern Michigan, um, to my grandpa's Lake and up there, my dad would take us fishing, my brother and I, and, you know, it started at a young age with, uh, you know, just dock fishing, going for bass and things like that. And Northern Pike, um, bluegill. I remember some of my earliest memories would be going to this Lake for, for perch where my grandpa, my dad, my brother and I would wake up early, you know, he would, go through the, the drive through and McDonald's, you know, we'd all get our food and kind of like eat early in the morning. Grandpa would drink his coffee and then we'd head out to the lake to perch fish all day long and come home with a bucket full of, of perch and then fry them up and eat them. And it was like a, you know, like a social gathering where, you know, my, my mom would come down, you know, fry them up and we'd all get around together and hang out. And those are some of my earliest memories. And from there, you know, you, you just evolve, you just continue to, you know, go elsewhere. So like, you know, I grew up down in Southeast Michigan, um, in the, in Monroe and, you know, Monroe borders Lake Erie. So we're right there. So some of my neighbors and friends from high school, we'd always go, you know, walleye fishing in the summertime, um, jigging the Detroit river, uh, go for, for, you know, pike in the river, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, that's where it just started, you know, and then I got kind of hooked on the walleye bug. And I think growing up down on Lake Erie area, everyone kind of catches that and it becomes an obsession because, you know, any, every, anybody listening to this knows that Lake Erie is such a walleye factory and it's probably arguably the best walleye fishery, um, 
for sure in the United States, maybe even in the world. But yeah, that, I guess that's from there. It just turned into, you know, more of a passion and obsession and just continue down from there. Very, very cool. So, well, my next question was, how did you catch the walleye bug? But you kind of just, just answered that. So at what point did the, does what are, are walleye different than other species? Like in the sense of maybe the aspect of, uh, like anybody can just kind of go catch a bass or a bluegill, but I've just heard so much about walleye that it's just so diverse with between everything else. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh, you know, there's some inland lakes where you have got great opportunities to catch a walleye off a dock kind of thing. And, but for the most part, you got to pursue these fish. You got to figure out what they're doing, what time of year and, uh, kind of get inside, um, you know, what they're thinking and why they're doing what they're doing. So that requires a lot of the time for you to take a deeper dive into fishing. Um, uh, anyone who just likes to, you know, go out and wet a line every once in a while and doesn't really care what they catch, that's when you hear about more of the people that can, you know, catch bass easier off the dock or panfish. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if you talk to a, a walleye angler or someone who's trying to pursue walleye, uh, you know, there's really got to be a specific way that you go out and attack and catch them. Um, you know, generally speaking, like in, you know, just a, a quick summary of walleye, you know, in the springtime they spawn um, usually around late March, April, May, all that time, depending on water temperature. But, you know, for the most part, they're finding a river or they're running up and they're spawning in the rocks and the gravel beds. And, uh, you know, like for example, the Detroit river, a lot of guys just jig for them with a jig head. And, uh, it's, it's probably attracts, I don't know, thousands of anglers from all over the United States every year to come up the Detroit river for the walleye run. Um, same thing goes for the Maumee river down in the Toledo area. But, you know, they run up there, they spawn, they do their thing. After that, they go back out into the lake, kind of, uh, you know, recuperate. Um, and then they start to suspend all summer long out into the the big water of Lake, lake Erie's. And then from there, you know, in the fall, they'll kind of come up on the reefs and things like that. And they'll start to come back more shallower before they get into their winter patterns. And then, uh, you know, then the cycle kind of starts all over again. But depending on what time of year you're going for the fish, you really have to adapt in order to, to, to put them in the boat. Okay. So, well, let's keep the, the spring thing in mind because it is, it is springtime. So yeah. what's your, what's your setup look like? You know, what kind of rod are you running real line tests? What's, what's the most versatile setup? Uh, for what, for an inland lake or Lake Erie? Do you want me to discuss we'll say, both? Yeah, we'll, we'll do both. I guess I should have rephrase let me rephrase that question for for somebody that might be looking into getting in into this okay what, what's the most versatile setup for like a novice walleye angler okay sure so let's start with an inland lake person let's say they don't have access to you know the great lakes or they they, they know walleye are in a body of water that's near them and it's inland and you know they don't have to have that big of a boat to get out there my, my suggestion would be like a, a seven foot one medium light action, uh, rod to, ch to go after this. And you can, usually you can set up with just like, um, like a fire line, like a, I don't know, eight pound or 10 pound test fire line tied to a, a barrel swivel with six pound test fluorocarbon leader. 
And what and what you're doing with this setup is you're just basically you're just gonna do what a lot of guys do, and it's called a jig and a minnow. So usually you're you're, you're using like a an eighth ounce jig head, and you're just buying. You're gonna go to your local bait shop, and you're gonna find whatever whatever bait for the most part they have in stock, like a shiner minnow. I personally like to use smaller sucker minnows. That sucker minnows are kind of traditionally no more of a, a as like a a pike bait, like a northern pike bait. But if you get them small enough and you're picky about your bait and you don't get the really big ones, you can put those on a jig head. And basically all you're doing is you're you're pitching a jig out in the shallows right now this time of year. Um, the walleye are post-spawn for the most part right now. I mean, this is mid-May to early June. They're recovering from the post-spawn. And you can, if the water temperatures are still cold, which, you know, right now in the state of Michigan, it's been a pretty cold spring. So you got to kind of pay attention to, to temperature. But let's say it's been, you know, a cold spring like we are right now. You just kind of want to find those areas of uh, sunken structure. And what I mean by that is like you're, you're looking for, you know, sunken humps or sunken islands kind of more towards the shallows. You know, anywhere between 8 to, I don't know, 15 feet of water. You don't have to go super shallow for them. That's usually when it's really cold or at the beginning or pre-spawn, you go really shallow for them. So now I'm talking post-spawn. And basically all you're doing is pitching a jig to them. You know, you're finding them on the graph. You're finding those clusters of fish around those 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 sunken structures that like, I just discussed, whether that be like, this, you know, the sunken island or like a rock pile or something like that. And on your graph, all it's going to look like is like a huddle of fish. If you can imagine like a football team coming together in a huddle. It's just a bunch of fish kind of huddling around structure, hanging by there. Most of the time, those are your walleye. And you're just pitching a jig out to them, and you're working it kind of slow back to the boat. And, you know, you can even, if you want to, if you, you can also, like, cover a lot of ground this way. It's just take the anchor off or take the anchor mode off on your on your um, spot lock, on your trolling motor or whatever it is, and just kind of float if you've got a light breeze. And just kind of let that, that minnow work on the bottom and, and just kind of keep popping it up and working it back to the boat and just slowly working it back to you. It's a great way to start off. It's a, and you can really find out if that's truly walleye down there or not. And, um, and it's a very inexpensive way to start dabbling to see if, you know, you're interested in walleye. Okay. So you said, you mentioned something about live bait. Have you, yep. have you kind of dabbled into the artificial stuff or is Yep. So this time of year too, like I said, getting back to that water temperature, if it's really cold, live bait seems to work a little bit better. If the fish are more aggressive and let's say you're having an abnormally warm spring, you got that warm rain coming in, feeding the, feeding the lakes and things like that. That's when I'll kind of go over to the artificial baits. And from the artificial baits, you can do, um, same thing like a jig head when eighth ounce jig head or 16th ounce, depending on how, um, you know, how big your lake is or how big the current is or wind is that day. And you're basically just going to use like a, uh, um, like a Berkeley, uh, rib worm or like a Berkeley, uh, shad or something like that, a three, three inch shad. And like the rib worm is everyone kind of knows, or if you haven't, if you don't know, just kind of look it up, just type in Berkeley rib worm. It's got this like rooster tail looking thing and you just kind of put that on your jig head and you can kind of work that set up a little bit more aggressively. That's the nice thing about artificial baits is, you know, they're going to stay on the hook. They're going to last longer. If you do get hit, you know, you can, for the most part, just kind of readjust your jig and pitch it right back out there. 
But this is where you got to kind of figure out, you know, this is why, you know, getting back to your original question when you're asked about how easy is it to catch these fish? This is when you kind of deep dive and become addicted as a walleye angler is you start to figure out what those fish want and you got to let them tell you what they want. So if it's uh, my suggestion this time of year, especially is to keep a variety of things in your boat. You know, you got to have the live bait if you're getting into it and you got to have artificial ones and you got to spend, I don't know, I would spend an entire morning or entire evening, at least five to six hours out there dialing this in and trying to figure out and let the fish tell you what they want. You know, are, are you, are you working it too fast and you're not getting any hits with the artificial baits? Well then switch back to the live bait and start going a lot slower, you know, pitch that jig out there and just pop it back every, I don't know, four or five seconds, raise your, raise your rod tip up and let it slowly fall back down and let the fish tell you what they want then. So, okay. So if you have, let's just say you have a, a cluster of fish on your graph and you, maybe you caught one and it is walleye. Mm-hmm. How, how long will you stay on that group of fish before, you know, none of them are biting? How long do you keep working at them and how long, how many different scenarios do you throw at these fish before you're just like, you know what, I'm packing up, I'm going to the other side of the lake? So the, so the good thing about that is, again, like the fish telling you what they want. If the, If I get one fish out of that group and then let's say a half hour goes by and I'm still on that same group, but they're just not biting on anything. I'll leave them to go find other fish, another pot of fish, because some, some fish could be, you know, the other important thing too, is you got to find where the bait is. So if I just find a group of fish relating to structure, but I'm not seeing much bait, you know, for the most part, I think those fish are probably going to go more after what you're pitching towards them. But if I see a big cluster pile on my graph of all this bait, or I can look down in the water, let's say it's clear water and shallow only in eight feet, and I can see bait swimming around there, sometimes it's hard to compete with live, you know, actual bait pods compared to, you know, your one jig that you're tossing at them. So maybe I'll go leave and find other fish that are more active, maybe more hungry, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, there's a golden rule sometime in walleye. <laughs> Never leave fish to find fish, but... I'm kind of against that. Sometime, if the fish aren't reacting to me, I'll leave the fish to go find another group somewhere else in the lake. Sure. Okay. Well, before we move on to the big lake, is there anything we missed or maybe you want to touch on, on some of the smaller inland lakes? No, I mean, you know, structure, it's super important to find structure and, you know, don't get on the lake right away and just run out there and hurry up and try to throw your line in the water thinking, you know, I just got to hurry up and fish. One thing you got to take your time is, especially being a walleye angler, is just slow down. And maybe the first 40 to 45 minutes, you're just driving around the lake looking at things that you had seen on a on a, um, a map, you know, something like a Navionics map or something like that, showing you different depths, showing you different, uh, you know, long-reaching arm points that come out into the lake a ways, um, you know, that shallow long arm that reaches way out, you know, maybe you can work both sides of that, play with the wind. What's the wind telling you? Are you on the windswept side where it's blowing that bait against that shallow arm that's reaching out into the water? You know, really find the fish before you wet a line. The the thing about that is, you know, some people just drive right out and, and, and wet a line right away before they even mark a fish. And for me, what I've learned over the years is to slow down, mark your fish, drop a waypoint, figure out what those fish are doing and then fish them. Don't just hurry up and run out there and think you're going to go 
you know, <laughs> right. balls out. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So how, how much different is it fishing inland lakes compared to Lake Erie? I think it's a big difference. Um, you know, the, the, the big lakes are one, you always got to play the wind and you always got to figure out the conditions of the lake because you're getting, you're, you're getting yourself into, especially in Erie, you're getting yourself into a situation where you need to know the weather all day long. You got to make sure that there's not a storm blowing up on you. So that's first and foremost, the safety. You always got to figure out, you know, what, what's the lake going to do that day. Secondly, um, going out into the big lakes, you kind of get more into the patterns. And what I mean by that is like that patterns that I was describing earlier where, you know, the fish are spawning in the rivers and in the streams and then they're moving out into the, the, the reefs and all that kind of stuff. And they're, you know, at the mouth of the rivers to rebound from spawning to, to feed on fish. And then they're going out into the big basin to kind of suspend throughout summer. And then they're, you know, so they're kind of more predictable. I think on the big water than they are on inland bodies of water. So the good thing about that is that's when you can kind of start to get into, um, you know, obviously it's a bigger body of water, so you got to cover more ground. And this is where I think trolling really comes into play. And if you can dial yourself in as a, um, you know, someone who can learn how to troll effectively for walleye, you can put a lot of fish in your boat extremely quick versus on the inland lakes, Trolling still works on some lakes, but some of them, you know, you, you might just only be able to catch them on that jig in the middle, like I was talking about, or a jig or something like that. But you can get your limit on a big body of water within a matter of 30 minutes. You know, you can limit out. What What is the limit? So it depends on what lake you're on. I mean, Saginaw Bay is different from, um, you know, like Lake Erie and things like that. Like, uh, Right now, I think in Erie, is five, your limit is five. You know, in the river, it's five. And then if you go to, like, Saginaw Bay, your limits, it jumps up and your your slot limit jumps, too. So you can catch a 13-inch fish in Saginaw Bay, and I think the limit right now is eight. And I'll have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure it's eight. So it just depends on what body of water you're in. Oh, okay. So, and as of, like, your your setups and everything, your rod your line test, everything of that nature. Is that pretty much the same too in the, in the big lake or do you, do you switch it up because you are in the big lake? Uh, you switch it up. So it depends on how you're doing. So like if you're, if you're trolling, um, I mean, for the most part, the jig or the, the single rod seven foot one that I was talking about with, uh, the fire line and the, the barrel swivel and all that kind of stuff that would work in Erie. Um, you're going to get into bigger fish, in, in bigger bodies of water like that. But I think that setup that I talked about earlier, you should be fine with. Um, however, when you get to the trolling side of things, that's when you're going to switch it up. So now you're going to get your, you know, you might get an eight foot trolling rod. You're going to get a line counter reel. Um, you know, that's going to help you tell your depths and how far you're putting your line out for your crankbaits or whatever you're pulling. And this is when it becomes more methodical, right? So you're, it's like, we always call it putting together a program. And this is when you start to figure out your, your trolling program, quote unquote, based off of what you have in the boat. So for instance, so you might use like a 12 pound mono, which is kind of like a more of a stretch line versus the fire line on the, I was talking about earlier. There's no stretch in that line. But the reason why you want stretch line when you're trolling is it's more forgiving and it's, you know, you're trolling at whatever, 1.5 to two miles an hour when that fish bites on that 
that trolling crankbait or that trolling crawler harness, you really don't have to set the hook because the, the line is forgiving and all you have to do is start reeling when you see your board go back. And the good thing about that is, you know, you can be, you can have three in Michigan, you can have three lines out per angler. So you can have three out one side. And if you're fishing with a buddy, you can have three out the other side. So you're not really setting the hook or jerking or anything like that. You're just kind of, you'll see your, your, uh, what they're called like planer boards. And what they do is they take your bait way out from your boat and you can kind of stagger them at different depths and different lengths back. And what you do is you'll see a board go back typically most of the time. And that's, you know, you, you know, you have a fish on, so you don't have to like grab it. And then, you, you know, you know, you see the, like the bass angler set the hook or, oh, yeah. you know, that, that big rip or whatever. You don't have to do any of that. You just start, you just start cranking because that tension, that, that forgiveness in the mono line keeps the tension on the fish for you until you can get to the rod. Okay. So let's just say you do land a fish. Are these things fighters? Um, I think, I think so. It's more of like, you can feel head shakes. That's when you know it's a walleye is when they're, I mean, you'd have to be fishing for a while to know the difference in kind of the feel. Usually when they're trolling, they're really not fighting that much. Uh, in early spring, I think they fight more. They're heavier. They're full of eggs. So they're, they're kind of, they've got a little bit more weight to them. But for the most part, when they're trolling, it's just a slow crank in. You'll feel a little bit of tugging, but it's not like a bass where they're erratic and they're kind of jumping all over the place. They're not like that at all. When you're trolling, they kind of just, they'll head, they'll head shake when they get close to the boat. Um, some guys, you know, bass anglers, it's always like bass anglers versus walleye guys. They'll <laughs> say that the walleye got, you know, the walleyes aren't fight or they don't fight. Or you can't feel a walleye. I think that's, that's not that's true. Not. I love, I love walleye. So, okay. So is there anything that we missed on, on the big lake? No, I mean, to get back into the setup, if you're going after the walleye this time of year on the big lake, you can start to do those trolling techniques. You can get your, you know, there's, um, if you want to get into trolling, you can get, you know, if your, if your boat has rod holders in it, you can go and, and buy, you know, maybe just start off with two trolling rods. And there's, there's combos at Cabela's that you can buy that are all set up that has a line counter reel on, on there for you. And it's, you know, eight foot long and forgiving enough before you go all in and buy, you know, 12 rods, you know, at, at some point, see if you like, see if you like trolling, see if you like the big water, maybe you don't like going on the big water and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I would say go, go buy two rods that are set up, um, for trolling and then start with, you know, this time of year, you can start pulling, um, what's called Berkeley makes it, it's a, it's called a flicker shad. And usually on the back of your your lure, it'll tell you how many feet of line to put out to run that flicker shed at a certain depth. And for the most part, you got to figure out a speed on that too. So if you look on the back and you know that you're fishing in 20 feet of water and you want to run your crankbait at 16 feet deep, you can kind of figure out um, you know how fast you need to be going, how much line you need to be put out, and how that lure is going to pull. So if it's a flicker shad number seven you can kind of figure out the depths on that. Um, and there's another app too, that you can buy in your phones called precision trolling data app that you can buy. And you can type in your exact lure, your exact line setup, your speed, and it'll tell you exactly what you need to do to get down to a certain depth. And it's a really cool app. Isn't technology amazing? It's awesome. I mean, it used to before, before it used to be just being a big book. And I remember when I was, when I was younger, my neighbor had this big book out there and he'd always look up the lures and, 
you know, over time, everything on paper becomes digital and now it's at all at our fingertips. So it's really cool that way. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I would suggest on the big water, try those flicker shads that we were talking about and troll some of them, um, this time of year, I think you'll be, you know, 13 feet of water, 15 feet of water, as shallow as 10 feet of water, find those fish troll and see if they bite. Um, you know, a lot of the times this time of year, vegetation is starting to grow from the bottom um, of the lake up. So if you see a patch of weeds growing and they're in 15 feet of water, you know, sometimes those walleye, that's that kind of structure that I was talking about earlier that they like to relate to this time of year. They might be hanging in that shallow weeds um, that are just starting to come up in the bottom and the lake bottom. And you'll want to troll that bait over top of their head. So, you know, if, if you're in 15 feet of water and you see, I don't know, it looks like the weeds are up, hanging up a foot or two, troll that crankbait above that weed line or that weed, the top of the weeds. And a lot of the times they'll feed up and, you know, they'll smoke it. Okay. So what tactic should every, every walleye angler master, if you had to give one thing to maybe a new guy, what would that be? Um, I'm going to go back to a jig in the middle. I think if you master that, that, that works out a lot of the time. And I think it's important to find out how to jig for them with a, with a jig in the middle, whether that be artificial or real bait. I think, I mean, that's, and personally, I think it's the funnest way to catch walleye. Trolling's great for putting numbers in the boat. And I love trolling too. But if you want like that one-on-one fight and kind of like feeling like, you know, you outsmarted the walleye or, you know, it's kind of like that one-on-one battle jig in the middle. If you can get them to bite on that, you're, you're evolving yourself as an angler a lot, I think. And what do you think the biggest mistake is that, that walleye anglers make? I think people give up on them especially people getting into walleye, you know, they're like, I'm going to go after walleye today. And then they feel like, you know, they don't catch any and they just give up and get frustrated and they'll go back to catching bass or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like, you know, when I, when I got a lot better at walleye fishing, I didn't read how to catch them. I read about walleye. And what I mean by that is like, how do they behave? Like I read a book specifically, almost like a, if you can imagine like a, um, national geographic book. That's just on the species, like what they eat, where they spawn, all that kind of stuff. If you figure out, you know, just like deer, deer hunting, right? Once you figure out what the deer are doing that time of year and why they're doing it, it doesn't, you know, you can worry about the other stuff later when like, you know, the newest and latest, greatest bow or arrows to shoot through them and all that kind of stuff. Like if you learn the species first and their, their natural behaviors, you're going to, you're going to evolve and become a much better angler before you just go out and buy a bunch of expensive gear or lures, in my opinion. Right. Well, and with that being said, that kind of brings me up to a point of your, your point of essentially patience on them. What if you don't have like a graph or, you know, uh, I'm forgetting what they're called now, a camera. What if, mm-hmm. what if you like, just don't know how to find them? But you're specifically so, fishing for walleye. Like what, how, I guess if I could tell you, Hey, we're going walleye fishing today, but I'm taking you on a John boat. That's four, 45 years old. And we have zero electronics on here. Walk me through that process. 
Sure. Okay. So again, getting back to this time of year, I would, if you know, if you, it's a lot of times in the lakes, you know, where it's shallow or you can see like a point on a lake that comes way out into the lake. You know what I'm talking about? It's not just perfectly a round lake. You'll see like little inlets of bays and like arms that come out, all that kind of stuff. Or if you can see where the bottom is rocky, like a lot of the times those arms that come out into the lake further, uh, they're, they've got like a rocky bottom, you know, and that's where you kind of want to start. That's where a lot of bait fish hang out. If you can find rocks and you know that like that part of the area or that part of the lake is rocky and, and it's shallow, I would set up on the, um, you know, the side where you can pitch some jigs to it, drop an anchor and pitch jigs up into the shallows of those rocky, um, arms that come out into the lake and pop that jig back to you and start to work. If you don't have a graph or anything, that's always a great spot to start. If you're looking now, let's, let's transition into summer. Another good thing about summer is you can always see where the weed lines are at. You know, where the lily pads are at. You can see down and see the vegetation coming up towards the surface. And a lot of the times the thing with that is you can see where the vegetation starts and where the vegetation stops, where it starts to get deeper in the lake, you know, cause when it gets deeper, you're not going to have as much vegetation. Sure. Find that, find that weed line that you're seeing at the top of the surface, throw an anchor out. And here's a great tactic for summertime walleye is it's as simple. And this is, this can go for the very basic angler who just likes to do it with a bobber. You use a, what's called a slip bobber and you use what's called just like a, 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 a normal sized hook and a leech. And you hook the leech in through like the head or where you see the, where like on a leech, if anyone's ever seen it, you can see on the bottom, like where their mouth or where their sucker is at. A lot of the times is I'll let them suck onto my finger for a second. So I know exactly where they're at and I'll hook the hook just below the mouth. But when you do that and you hook them below the mouth and then you cast out right where the weeds meet the open water, if you will, and just kind of let that slip bobber float you'll see that that leech is going to give you a lot of action underneath your bobber in the water. And that's what really attracts a lot of walleye. And you'll, and what the, the good thing about that too, is that with the slip bobber is you'll start to see that walleye bite onto that leech and slowly start to eat it and kind of like swim away with it. And you'll see your bobber slip and go under. And that's when you kind of reel down on there and you can set that hook. And, uh, it's a, it's a fun, way for kids to get into fishing for walleye. Um, and it's a, a super easy setup if you don't have a graph and you know there's walleye in your lake. Find the weeds, find the weed edge where it gets into the big part of the lake and cast right where that, you know, you don't want to get tangled up in the weeds all the time. So you kind of want to cast right on the edge of those weeds with a slip bobber and a leech, and it's a blast. I would have never in a million years guessed, <laughs> guessed that. Oh, leeches? Yeah. Yeah, while I love them. Huh, that is incredible. Especially in the middle of summer when it's hot. I can imagine. That makes sense. So, mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things, what do you think makes walleye so special? Their temperament, you know. I think <laughs> if you're a walleye guy, you become obsessed with them. You know, they're very humbling. What I mean by that is you think you got it all figured out one day and you go out and you're asking yourself and you're striking out what, you know, you were yesterday, you were, you were trolling crankbaits for them. And today they're just not biting. You have the same setup out there. You have the same colors, everything, and you don't know why. So they're very humbling. They keep you guessing, you know, 
and and that's the fun part about it because if it was easy, everybody would do it, and everyone I think would get bored with it. But they're they they make they challenge you, you know. They they make you think outside the box all the time, and I think that's what's so unique about walleye, and they taste phenomenal. So that's that brings up my next question: Is what's your favorite way to to fry or to eat these things? Yeah, me personally, a lot of guys fry them up the traditional way, you know, just um, your Drake's batter, throw them in a deep fryer, and you can fry them up that way. Not, I mean, that's super good. It's great. I personally like to just bake them. And what I do by that is I just, I'll put a fillet out. I'll put, um, I'll dip the fillet in like a, like egg beaters. You know, I'll, I'll whip up some eggs. And then from there, I'll put them in Parmesan crust, like the, the crumbs, the Parmesan crumbs. Okay. And I'll coat, coat both sides of the fillet really good. And I'll put it on a tin foil in a pan with some olive oil down so it doesn't stick. And then on top of that, I like to put, uh, I sprinkle Parmesan cheese. And then at the very end is I'll melt um, just a stick of butter or whatever, and I'll just slowly kind of like brush the top of the fish or just pour the butter on top of it. Not a lot. I mean, you don't have to get too crazy. But pour the butter on top for flavor. Put all that in the oven at 400 for like 15 to 20 minutes. And when you pull it out, I mean, it's white flaky fish. It tastes great. It doesn't kind of have that heavy feeling like you get from fried fish sometimes. Some people can't you know, eat a lot of fried fish. So this is a really light, tasteful, easy way for them to, to, to get introduced to walleye. So, okay. And it brings, I guess I just thought about this. Let's go over the filleting aspect. Yeah. What's, I guess, walk me through that process. Yeah. So flaying, I mean, for the most part, it's like flaying a lot of other fish, but walleye, you kind of want to make like a, I don't know, I don't want to say 45 degree, but it's like an angled cut right behind their gills and like right behind their fins. And you kind of, kind of go up on an angle towards their heads. And then you work the, um, you go along the dorsal fin all the way back to the tail. And what you do is you're, imagine if you can, you're laying the fish down first, you make your angled cut right behind the, the, the gills and the, the front fins, and then you kind of stand the walleye up. So their dorsal fins are facing up towards the sky and you just kind of follow down their, their, their dorsal fins on either side and you just kind of start to slowly feel your knife and flay them down until you start to feel that rib cage and you'll feel the rib cage and the bones and you just kind of work your way around to, you know, get as less, don't, don't be too aggressive with your knife. Just kind of take your time and follow that, that rib cage down towards their belly, towards their stomach, and then work your knife back towards the tail and one thing that I like to do is when you get back towards the end of the tail and you're flaying is don't completely run your knife all the way through so you cut the flay off. If you imagine you're peeling the flay back towards the tail and it's getting longer and longer, leave a little bit of the tail on and flip it over and then you've got the skin side down and then you've got the flay side up. Use your knife and then just run your knife, a nice sharp knife, down underneath the flay and the kind that part where it's attached to the the tail will hold onto the flay for you, so you can run your knife all the way through, nice and smooth. And it'll keep it nice and if, as long as your knife is sharp, you'll keep it nice and smooth all the way down to where the skin meets the flay, and you'll get a nice flay all the way off, and there won't be much left back on the skin. And then you can cut it off on the tail after that. So if you can imagine, you're almost like peeling a banana down all the way, and you're leaving the peel on and kind of like scraping it off. Because if you cut it all the way off then that's when it can get kind of slippery and it's hard to hang on to the filet moving around on the table and 
you know, a lot of guys have a, a tough time hanging on to the flay to, to get it and you might leave some on the skin, all that kind of stuff. So I think for the most part, if you leave it there on the end, you can kind of use it as an anchor point to run your knife down and get a nice clean fillet. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's always been my biggest complaint is I can never hold on to them. They're always just, you know, slippery what I'm, and... do, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about though? It's like, yes, like, that makes total sense. Yep. Yeah. Don't cut it all the way off. Leave it attached on the tail a little bit and then run your knife to cut the flay off to leave the skin on. And then you've got like an anchor point for you to hang on to. But um, and then the other thing, the most important thing, I think a lot of people, especially if you haven't flayed walleye before, is they have cheek uh, fillets. So like a walleye has cheeks on either side. They're like soft cheeks, and you'll see what I'm talking about, just below their eyes kind of thing. And you, it's like a little nugget of meat. So you just kind of bury your knife and cut around in like a bowl shape, and you've got what people call cheek meat or like walleye cheeks. And then you can throw them in the fryer or wherever and – they're nice little appetizers for you. Huh. Very cool. Do you have a uh, a fillet knife of choice, or just uh, a really sharp one? Just uh, uh, number one is sh- for sure sharp. Make sure it's sharp. If you have it, just like anything, if you have a dull blade, it sucks. You know, it's you're struggling the whole time. You're gonna get frustrated. You're gonna think you're leaving a lot of meat on the fillet, um, or on the skin, and then, you know, it's just it's miserable and it, it's time consuming too. So the best part about it is if you can, you know, if you have a sharp knife, it's just going to make it a lot faster, cleaner, and you won't get frustrated and you'll, you'll master the the art of flaying them a lot quicker. Very, very cool. Well, and it's easy to teach as well. That does sound, I mean, just the way that you described it does, it makes a lot of sense to me anyway. And I've actually never filleted a walleye, so I can kind of picture how all of that would work. Right. Good yep, dude. for sure. Well, is there anything that we missed that you want to cover? Uh, no, I mean, you know, again, I'm not an expert. I don't consider myself an expert. I, I, you know, my podcast is more geared around towards asking the questions that a lot of anglers want to ask, but might be too afraid to ask, you know, whether that be, um, you know, some guys might, guys or gals might feel like I can't ask that question. It's too basic or it's too, it's too one one or it's too dumbed down. Like, you know, in my opinion, there's no such thing as a dumb question when it comes to the outdoors, because, you know, that can turn somebody off right away. Like maybe someone's afraid to ask about how to go after walleye or, you know, because they think that they should know that. I mean, that's my biggest thing is just reach out to people, reach out to podcasts, reach out to, people that you see on social media for like Facebook groups in your local area, you know, there might be forums for your lake that you live by or that you go up to and get on there and start asking some questions to see, you know, what, what, what guys and gals are willing to share and, and find that information out and, you know, go after it. Right. Oh, excuse me. Well, for sure. Um, give yourself the, the plug of your podcast. Yeah. So my podcast is called the Freshwater Bite Podcast. Um, It's on, uh, you know, anywhere that you can hear podcasts, uh, you know, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, and I cover a variety of species in there, a lot of walleye stuff. But, you know, I also lived up in uh, the Traverse City area for five plus years. And, you know, going up there, there's there's walleye on inland lakes, but 
I had to I had to fish a different body of water that I'm not comfortable with. So I got really into salmon and lake trout and stuff like that. So I try to cover a lot of that stuff and just all everything that you know, the state of Michigan and even throughout the U.S. for that matter. I've had people on as far as Arizona uh, talking about catfishing and things like that. So I just I, I talk about everything because you know, like I said, I'm I'm super curious. And I'm not afraid to ask those questions if I don't know anything. And I'm just trying to share the knowledge and the passion of uh, the, the sport of fishing. So, Very, very cool. Well, Lee, I greatly appreciate you taking the time with me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Have me, you know, anytime you want, give me a call. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you go check out the Freshwater Bite podcast. I know I, I've listened to a few of them in the past, and and Lee puts out some really good content. So. In the meantime, get your fishing on. The weather's starting to warm up. Uh, the governor has let us fish in boats now. So get outside, go do something, go catch a fish, go maybe try something that you've never tried before. Um, I know definitely talking to Lee today, I'm going to heavily get into walleye fishing because it just sounds like a blast. So until next time, stay safe. We'll see you guys next week.